I believe most human beings I've met are very bad at networking and time management. Most people know the importance of professional networking, but don't fully understand it. They don't really get it. If they did, the world would be a different place. You know, people would be so much more attentive to their relationship. People would spend more time to nurture the important mentors they have in their lives. People would take following up a lot more seriously. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. I've had a lot of international guests on the Connected Leadership Podcast. I think this is probably in some ways, my most international guest to date. And I say that because after living, studying, working in Israel, he's moved around the world. He's lived in uh, Canada, uh, lived in the US, he's lived in England, he's lived in Russia, he's lived in Singapore, where we first met a number of years ago. And now, and, and look, I know your, your, your heartstrings are going to really tear for him. He and his family now live in Bali. So uh, as I say, most international guests that, that I've had and reflecting on that, he was also an excellent uh, person to interview and speak to uh, for my last book, Just Ask, when I was exploring different cultures or cultural differences when it comes to vulnerability. Uh, and and he, he provided some great insights there as well. Uh, while, when he's not traveling and moving and packing up shop, he's uh, a co-owner of a, a group of companies called Meet Partners. He's a real entrepreneur, and, and I've seen several sides uh, of his business over the years. Uh, and they are leaders in, in personal development, in business events, run some amazing events all over the world, and educational tourism. He's also mentored uh, over a 1,000 startups in various fields. He's spoken all over the world uh, as well. And much like myself, he loves chatting about professional relationships and networking strategies. So of course, we're going to dive into that. And we're going to take a particular theme as we often uh, do on the Connected Leadership Podcast. Like me, he loves talking about professional relationships and networking. Uh, and um, that's what we're going to talk about today. But like, like uh, most of our episodes on the Connected Leadership Podcast, um, we, we pick a theme. I don't know how closely we're going to stick to it because there's lots of, of areas we can roam to. Um, but many of the people that I work with uh, understand the importance of a professional relationships or networking strategy. But the biggest challenge is finding the time to do that because strategy is about taking time away from the day-to-day the, the -day and the minute-to-minute tasks and tactics of running a business and thinking about where you're going and what you're trying to achieve and actually planning ahead. And that takes some time out. And people struggle to do that. And that's why relationships tend to be reactive. Uh, and, and the way people go about it. And so I really want to focus in our conversation uh, about how you can find the time and why you should find the time to prioritize building your professional relationships. So, Gil Petersil, thank you for taking the time uh, to join us on the Connected Leadership Podcast. Happy to be here, Andy. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you so, so much for having me on the show. And thank you for what you do, man. I'm a big fan. Uh, and, and it goes the other way as well. I've really, since we first met in Singapore, and I think it was 2017, 
Uh, I've really enjoyed the conversations we've had over the years. And, and actually, I can't believe it's taken us this long uh, or me this long to get you onto the podcast. Uh, but they say good things are worth waiting for, and I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation. Let's do it. So, so let, let's dive straight away into uh, the, this challenge, this theme that I've suggested for today, which is about finding the time to, to, to really be serious about building strong professional relationships and a powerful network around you. When you are working with clients uh, and they do push back in terms of the time that they need to do this, how do you approach that with them? So, you know, I love the question because it's very specific. I, uh, I'm actually in the process of um, doing some research for a new PhD um, in connection to the correlation of human networking and time. Um, as something that um, I believe most human beings that I've met are very bad at, networking and time management. And what I believe is that the same way that, you know, we know that fried food or junk food is not good for our bodies, many of us still do it because we don't really see the process and the details in which our body needs to go through to digest it and get it out of our body. And I same thing goes with network. Most people know the importance of professional networking, but don't fully understand it. They don't really get it. If they did, the world would be a different place. You know, people would be so much more attentive to their relationship. People would spend more time to nurture the important mentors they have in their lives. People would take following up a lot more seriously. So for me, whenever I have an executive or an entrepreneur telling me, oh, I don't have time to go to more events. Oh, I don't have time to follow up people. I'm like, okay, let's break it down. Where do we currently allocate our time? How is our time broken down? How is the, uh, your day broken down? And I'm speaking as someone who's got three young kids and I love spending time with my kids. I do multiple traffic and charity activities every single week for the last many, many years already. Um, I like personal development for myself. So I spend time to learning every single day. I believe in my body and biohacking. So I spend time every single day working out five days a week with a teacher for at least 90 minutes. So when someone tells me I don't have time, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry. You know, one, I have time. So you're not that much different than myself because, you know, you got one kid or you're not doing much philanthropy. They're like, hey, hello. And when they really are like very impressive human beings, and I work with some people who are multi, multi-millionaires, and you know, I got one client who's a billionaire who's really busy. They're genuinely busy, like, wow. I'm like, okay, let me talk to your assistant. Let me talk to your assistant, and can we turn your assistant into what I call a networking angel? Now, I've been really good in the last six years of my life in helping entrepreneurs train networking angels, which is basically taking their business assistant and upgrading their abilities to take away a lot of tasks from a networking positioning that the executive or the entrepreneur does not need to do. And what I tend to do is just break it down. I say, hey, if you can't follow up with these people, can I help you create a system where your team or your assistant can follow up with these people? If you can't meet with these people individually, can we maybe um, you know, put together some kind of a nice executive dinner or some sort of a, a fun themed dinner that you can host once every month? And bring some of those people together. So instead of meeting them one-on-one, we can find a way for them to know what's going on with you. Um, and we start to look for a lot of different examples where 
time should not be the challenge. We all have 24 hours in a day. And one of the things I've been studying very carefully is we do have abilities to slow down time as people because we've all had it. Everyone listening, you've all had situations in life where suddenly time has slowed down like dramatically. You're sitting with someone and it's like, wow, it feels like, you know, five minutes has passed, but it's actually, you know, hours have passed. It's like, just slow down or the other way around. Like you're doing something and you're enjoying yourself and like, wow, like, you know, time is just like flying completely too fast and your day is already over. Um, and you didn't manage to get everything you wanted done because you got distracted. So what I love doing is I love breaking down the system in which they're currently using in their everyday life. I like to break it down to show them how they can work on their inbox management and calendar management and people management in a completely different systemized way, which will end up giving them a lot more time and freedom during the day. I love that. I've been making so many notes as you spoke. I think we can take a number of different things from that answer. So uh, let, let, let's, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into a few different things there. First thing you talked about is the, the amount that you do and you manage to fit it in. So, and the people that you work with are really busy, but they're finding time. And it's one of the things that I say is, you know, you look at the most successful people, they have built and they know how to build, nurture, and leverage strong professional relationships. They find the time to do it. So how much of it is a question of prioritization with people? And how do we, um, how do you approach this with clients in terms of getting them to just understand the importance of the, seeing time spent on building relationships as an investment, not a cost? Um, it's such a beautiful question. So depending on the kind of requests they have from me, Andy, like if it needs to come from them. I'm not going to tell them that they need to do something unless there's pain connected to it. And with some of my clients, the pain comes from personal life. I don't have time for my family. I don't have time for friends. Oh my God, I haven't seen my friends in a couple of months. I have no time for myself. I'm not doing any exercise. I've gained weight, blah, 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 blah. And that tends to be a lot of pain that people have because they're overworking or even worse. They're spending too much of the time on people that are not necessarily a priority right now. So I love doing networking audits with people and, and then reprioritizing who they spend time with. I have a really amazing uh, methodology connected to networking audits they, they, that people can just go through with me usually on a call or they can go it themselves on an Excel sheet and just really review who they've given their time to for seven days. Just look at the average seven days, past seven days, and who has time been given to? Now, what's really, really special is people tend to kind of understand, number one, wow, I actually am giving a lot of my time to myself, which is really special. People are doing something. They're eating by themselves or they're watching random videos or they're reading something for, that's connected to the news or they're driving themselves, which is a huge waste of time. They're doing something themselves. They're alone. So then I right away break down and I say, hey, what are you doing by yourself? What is that time allocated for? Because if I'm driving, for example, I love listening to books. And I stopped driving cars. Uh, now we're here in Bali. I love living in Bali. I drive a motorcycle here because it's just past the traffic. And whenever I need to drive for more than 20 minutes, I, I take a taxi. And then I can utilize my time even better in the back of the car. Because again, I can allocate that time. To when it comes to having pain, that's connected to personal life, I find that I can get through to them much easier 
because many of my clients, even though they come to me for business strategy and for going global with their company or scaling their business somewhere specific, the new industries, whatever it really is, we always spend 10, maybe 15% of the time talking about, well, how much harmony do you currently have in your network? Like really harmony, not just in your business is doing well and you're looking for business development opportunities. Because yes, I help all my clients make money and I help them attract investors and I help them attract new clients. Sure. But I want to know if they have harmony in their network. And that's when conversation really tends to kind of become really interesting because then we start balancing. Well, why are you giving so much time to your old friends from high school is a question that comes up a lot. Like why? Oh, you've been friends with them for a long time. Okay. Are they the ones that really inspiring you? Are they looking up to you? Do you look up to them? Are they supporting you in your business in different ways? And such questions I, I use on their personal life because then what I do with them is then I allocate the exact same questions to the business life. And I start asking them, you know, who are the top seven people around you in your company that's got your back? And tell me, how do you spend time with them? How do you support them? How do they support you? How much do you delegate to them or escalate to them? And we're always really breaking down where is the time going to? Which relationships are they nurturing? And what they have found out in many cases, that they're nurturing relationships, one, don't necessarily need to be nurtured right now. They don't need to be right now. Maybe someone else can take care of them. Uh, number two, that person doesn't need nurturing. It needs leadership, which is very, very different. Like this is an employee. Why are you spending so many hours with these employees? Like it's not your job to teach them everything. It's their job. Do the research, come back and present something to you. And then we drive down into how do you manage your meetings? Because to me, a meeting in a business is a pure, uh, you know, a, a, a beautiful piece of networking art. I like networking art. I've created a lot of networking art structures all over the world. Last year, the, the biggest networking art structure we created was in Davos at the World Economic Forum. It was really, really beautiful structure. And what I said to them is like, look at this meeting that you have. Is it efficient? Is it effective? And this is where I tend to bring in different algorithms and methodologies from masterminds to manage team meetings in a more effective way where people don't come to a meeting to talk about things. They come to a meeting to present something, to present a solution, to present an idea. They have X amount of minutes to present it in a very structured way. People have X amount of minutes to cover it. And then we move on. If a meeting is set for 45 minutes, please don't sit in the room for an hour and a half just because one of your employees didn't understand. So I really try to help my, my clients and people out there to understand that like, because we have all this time, we need to make sure that we allocate this time to the right people in our lives in order to co-elevate, as our good friend Keith Ferrazzi has, has been saying so beautifully for so many years in his last book, co-elevation is about, hey, if I'm nurturing my relationships... Am I helping them to grow and they're helping me to grow? Is there an even balance? Is there harmony? And once we look at it and we audit it, it's always beautiful how everything switches around with so quickly. I, I love that. I think that there's so much common sense in there. I can imagine people listening and some people squirming a little bit, feeling very uncomfortable with it because it's so... Um, it takes such an emotive topic and it puts a rational mind to it. 
Um, and that's where one of the biggest challenges with building networks is that networking, and it's not a word, word I, I use that often these days because of the perception of it as cold, manipulative, uh, and so forth. One of the things that I address in many of my talks is finding the right balance, getting what you call, what I call a blended mindset. So getting the right balance between being strategic, knowing who you need to spend time with, who you need to invest in, uh, who you need to build partnerships with, and being relational, uh, not writing people off, not pushing people away. So how do you help people feel comfortable being making those brutal decisions about where they spend their time, but at the same time not making not destroying relationships or making people feel bad about it. So you know, I I'll I'll try to be as sensitive as possible for the audience that's listening and maybe squirming with what I'm saying. I'm only saying it because I like to be very honest and very upfront, very authentic and blunt about what it is. And sometimes we need to cut people off. Uh, we just need to. There is no reason in 90% of the cases why the friends you had 30 years ago need to be your friends today. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. There is no reason in most cases. Yeah, some of them are still there. But just because you were friends with someone 30 years ago and then 20 years ago doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be there today in order for you to fulfill your own life destiny. Now, you might be listening and saying, wow, Gil is such an, you know, not a nice word, you know. He's not, he doesn't care about his friends. Okay, well, you know, maybe it's because I've moved countries so many times and I've had to learn how to make new friends and I've had to learn how to build friendships and I've managed to keep some friends in each country from back in the days because I was born in Israel. So I still have, you know, a couple of friends in Israel that I've known for 30 plus years, um, but I don't speak to them regularly. And I have some friends from England and some friends from Canada and some friends from Russia, of course, because I lived there for, for many years. And each one of these places, I lived for about 10 years. So, of course, I have some relationship. What I tell people is that it's not about cutting people out and calling them and saying, that's it, I can't be your friend anymore. But it is understanding that if you are able to create space within your field that you can manage, we have X amount of energy that we can give to the world every single day or else we'll be depleted. We'll have no energy left. We'll be too tired. We'll need to go to sleep. So if we have this X amount of energy, we can actually be you know, measured very easily. I don't need to get into the levels of understanding human frequencies and understanding you know, the, the energies that we can share with people. I've been studying the arts and sciences of human networking for many, many years, but there's clearly this energy that we can transfer to people, which means there's also energy that we're getting back. So on any given day, we need to choose who are we following up with regularly and why are we answering this person's phone call and are we trying to get to zero inbox every single day because we're trying to respond to everyone because we don't want to make them feel bad or oh my god they i, I clicked on this person message and they'll see that I've, I've read it and i don't have time to respond now i feel bad about it no stop it that's ridiculous it's ridiculous to believe that we owe the world all of our energy I don't think that's, that's an honest way of living life. I think that we, you, you can choose to owe the world uh, service and you can choose to owe the world, you know, some of your, your, your knowledge and experience. Sure, give that to the world because the world gave you that. But I don't think it's fair to be in a position where we need to make everyone happy around us. We don't. And, you know, I can be even more of an of ASS. I don't want to say the word. I don't know how 
you know, kids friendly this show has to be. But <laughs> if I don't want to be an ASS, um, I had a position in my life. I was 32 years old. I was living in Russia at the time, in Moscow. And I was going through a really difficult time as an entrepreneur, not really sure what I was doing, having all of these projects, but none of them are making me really, really happy. None of them are making me the kind of money I want. And I was working with a coach at the time who said to me, hey, let's look at your relationships. And I was not who I am today from a networking experience. I, 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 I was just in my beginning of my career and speaking about the topic itself. And he said, let's go deeper into it. And long story short, I ended up cutting out um, many of the people I called close friends at the time. They were an international group of guys living in Moscow. I was seeing them two, three times a week. They were my friends. I cut most of them out because I realized that shared values were not there. Co-elevation was not there. They did not lift me up. Even though they're great guys, successful guys, I did not look up to them. At the same time, I had to make some space. And that was not easy, ladies and gentlemen. I had to make some space between myself and my family. Literally, even though my family was living, you know, far away on, like, in another country from where I was living at the time, I literally stopped calling them as much. I didn't answer their phone calls. I left them video messages and audio messages to kind of stay in touch. But I created space in between myself and them. And again, some people say, wow, he's not nice. You're not supporting your family, blah, blah, blah. But at that time, my brother was working for a big corporation, IBM, for 20 years. And he kept on telling me that I should get a job and start stop trying to be an entrepreneur. My mom and dad kept on telling me, why are you not more like your brother? Settle down, get married, buy yourself a house, stop traveling around the world so much, stop moving around from one opportunity to another. And I was sick and tired of that because, again, I love my family, but they didn't bring me up. They brought me up as a child, but they didn't bring me up from a position of energy and inspiration. And it was really difficult to make that space. And it, it took me many, many years later until I finally confronted my mom and said, hey, do you remember back then when I completely cut you guys out and I literally didn't answer your phone calls? I just left you these nice voice messages telling you that everything is okay, telling you when I'm working on but not taking your advice. And I told the same thing to my friends, those guys that I called friends back then. I confronted them. I said that I need to create this space and they didn't get me. They, they, for them, it felt strange. Uh, for me, it was really difficult at the time because I didn't have a strategy on how do you make new friends. And at the time when I was living in Moscow, cutting out all my friends, it was super difficult. But what I do tell people is, hey, life is tough. And that's how we grow. We grow from breakthrough. We grow from being uncomfortable in different situations. So if, if we need to get uncomfortable to grow, if we need to break a few eggs to learn how to make a good omelet, if we need to, you know, go through breakthroughs and challenging times in order to get to the next level in life, and why should we not apply the exact same mindset that all of these great successful entrepreneurs and philosophers and thinkers have? Why should not apply it to what is the most important aspect of life, which is relationship? And for me, I tell people, yeah, it's difficult the first couple of times you need to cut people out and distance yourself from people. But you know, the average human being from, I, I researched this a few years ago, the average human being in the world builds relationships or has interactions, interactions for maybe an hour or so. What about 7,000 people in your lifetime? I don't know, Andy, if you ever looked at that number. Interesting. I don't know that number inside, but it sounds like interesting, 7,000. And for me, I would challenge that because if we meet 7,000 people in our lives, the average person, maybe it's, you know, short conversation here, short conversation there. 
And only a handful of them, we end up keeping as friends. We end up maybe doing business with them. Why should we not double that number? And yes, I'm speaking as an introvert myself. I'm an introvert. I've been an immigrant since the age of 10. And I've had to challenge myself to say, well, I don't need to meet 20 new people every day, but there's 8 billion people on earth. What are the chances that the right people that I need right now in my life are now around me? What are those chances? And unfortunately, the chances are not very high because we get distracted. We're distracted with phones and we're distracted with social media. And sometimes, again, I believe in, I'm a spiritual guy. I believe in God. And I believe that God in the universe brings us the people we need to meet. I, I, I am so certain in, in network manifestation that I can manifest the people I need to meet. But what I also know that like all other human beings, we don't see the gifts that come our way. We miss them. I might be sitting one row away from, you know, the best business partner of my life. And if I only stood up and spoke to a few people around me, then I would end up speaking to that person as the third one. But no, I'm sitting down. It's easier. I'm on my phone, even though it's a networking break in an event. So I tell people networking requires work. That's why it's called networking. I don't shy away from the word itself. I actually, I challenge the world. I want to bring that word back into fashion. I think networking is not sleazy. It's just been sleazed up by people who do it badly. And it's not their fault because no one has ever taught them how to network properly. There is no course in school, in high schools. There is no course at university. People need to go out of their way to buy one of your books, to study one of my courses, to come to one of our speeches, and to learn what is the beauty around having authentic networking opportunities? What is the strength around having a networking strategy that is right for you specifically at this time of your life? Not three years ago, not in the future, but at this point of our life, wherever each person is, they can make an adjustment to the networking strategy. And with that will come uncomfortable situations, which is cutting some people out or speaking to them less or maybe even hurting their feelings a little bit. But at the end of the day, it will end up helping you and them. It is, again, just personal opinion. I'm not trying to preach people to do this. I've seen it work. And I think it's a great answer to the question, Gil. And some people may still not like it, and that's absolutely fine. I think everyone has to find the authentic level for them. But you, they need to challenge themselves. And what you're doing is challenging them and saying, are you taking the easy route? Are you taking the comfortable route? Or do you need to do something? And do you need to do something differently? If you're in a leadership position and would like to review your own professional relationship strategy, you may be interested in booking a 15-minute call with Andy. Please visit andylapata.com forward slash discovery to find out more. Um, I picked up particularly when you talked about shared values. And it was interesting to hear about your experience with your family. Um, I... I'd always heard that famous and often repeated uh, saying about you are, uh, you are, or your potential is the total of the five people you spend most of your time with. And I always found it quite a brutal approach, uh, this idea that you have to up the game of the people you spend your time with. But I found myself doing that. uh, And I think it was, it was uncomfortable, but it was very powerful. And it doesn't mean, as you say, I've cut people out of my life. It means I've focused differently on on who I invest my time with uh, and where I where I spend it. So, how do you identify 
for you what those values are and how do you know when you need to sort of spend more time with someone or less time with someone based on those values? So I, I think personal values come with time and age. Uh, I'm speaking as someone who still, I consider myself to be quite young. I don't know if it's the lifestyle in Bali that I keep on feeling younger and younger, but I'm 43 years old today. You know, I've had 20 plus successful failures in businesses. I've lived in seven countries. So I kind of feel like, you know, I, I've experienced enough to be very, um, you know, clear with my own values. What is important to me? And this is just me. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying it's right for everyone. It's just for myself. And because of these values, I choose who I'm going to spend time with. As an example, again, this is not for everyone. Uh, 10 years ago, I went to my first 10 uh, Tony Robbins event. And as you know, in the last 10 years, I've, I've, I've done a lot of business with Tony Robbins and his company. I've been to 30 of his events. I became one of the biggest promoters for Tony Robbins globally for four years running. And because of his first event, I took on this 10-day challenge to try to eat differently and live a different healthy lifestyle. And I didn't fully stick with it perfectly. I love my desserts and I don't go to the gym every day. But for example, I stopped drinking alcohol and I stopped drinking meat. I stopped eating meat and I never get back to it. Now, it doesn't mean that if I go to the restaurant and someone eats meat in front of me, I'm like, no, don't eat meat in front of me. I'm, no, I don't really care. But I'm not going to go out to a lot party where everyone's just drinking. I'm not attracted to that anymore. When I host a dinner in my home, you'll never see alcohol in my home. When I go to dinners in people's home these days, you will rarely see alcohol. Maybe one bottle of wine. Maybe people are having one glass. And I'm not saying this is for everyone. Some people say, ah, this guy, he doesn't know what he's Well, I enjoy drinking tea. I enjoy drinking infused water. I'm not talking about British tea. I'm talking about like serving tea, like a, a tea ceremony, like Japanese style tea ceremony, or Chinese, you know, tea ceremony. Um, I enjoy those. I enjoy kombucha and coconut, fresh coconut water because I live in Bali or infused water. So that's already connecting to my values. I believe in personal development. So I really love people who are looking for personal growth in life. Someone who's had the same job for the last 20 years probably was not going to find it very interesting to talk to me because I want to know, hey, how are you growing in the business and what's going on? Are you training your team? And like, wow, 20 years, the same business. Oh my God, you know, it kind of, and, I, and, and I've had some clients who have had the same company for 20 years, but it's the business they own. It's very different because they can have side investments and they're very cool philanthropists. So for me personally, one personal values is something I think everyone should audit themselves and kind of ask themselves what they love and what they hope your friends to love. Once you start writing down a little audit of yourself, what I found is a really fun exercise is to go back to that, that men, what you mentioned. Look at the top five, seven, or even 10 people in your life that you spend most time with and start writing down top three things about the most about each one of them and top three things you dislike the most about them. And you don't have to show them that. But if you look at that list and then you create an, kind of an average of that list, you will end up being that person. The top three or the top five things you've written on people and the, the, the people like the most, the people like the least, will end up being something about you. And then you need to really come to a realization, ask yourself, are you happy with that? Is that the life you want to have? Do you want to change your life? Because what I mentioned before, Andy, because 
it does require someone to go through an uncomfortable situation to audit. Like this word audit is awful for somebody like what? You know, no one likes an auditor. You know, I did consulting for KPMG partners for three years running. And the idea of them saying, when I said, that, how do you introduce yourself at an event? They're like, well, yeah, I, I'm a KPMG auditor. I'm like, oh, never say that again. No one's going to like you. That's not something you want to say. But the idea of an audit is really important to have clarity on really what's going on. And that's important to do an audit within the network to really know what's going on in my network. Now, this exercise is not for everyone just because some people who are listening maybe today might be completely satisfied and comfortable, you know, with their current life. And they don't want change. They don't want more money and they don't want more vacations and they don't want better friendships and they don't want new opportunities and they don't want new industries and they don't want new travel. They don't want me. And that's okay. So that means maybe they don't need networking because, you know, networking is for people who want to branch themselves out. You know, to, to give you a, a very um, a, a fun analogy that I've been looking deeply into for the last three years, I've been studying how nature networks. And I've been going very, very deep because I have a, a massive edible garden in my home in Bali. And I'm talking like massive, like 30 different species from uh, mulberries to gutta cola to papaya to spinach, a lot of different things. And I've had to learn a lot about permaculture. And it's very, very unique to understand how much more happy and healthy a papaya or a mulberry or a spinach or a carrot can be when around it, it has different species as well. A carrot that's only around carrots will not be as happy. And it's very, very unique to understand that when you have, for example, you're in England. So if you have British people who are all in engineers and that, and they're all getting together every single day, and that is their friends, and that is their community, their potential of growth, their potential of expansion, their potential of having seismic shifts or breakthroughs in their life is tiny. Compare an engineer who has friends from different countries and his friends are not all engineers. They're people from different industries and they're diverse and they give each other new cultural experiences and they give each other new ideas to expand, which is again, why I love mixed masterminds very much because I'd be, I'm always shocked how an IT you know, manager can give so much value to a business manager and the accountant can give some really cool ideas to the marketing guy. You know, I love that. So I love mixing people up that way, just like nature likes to. Because when nature grows, when we plant something in the ground, what they do for the first period of time is they network underneath the earth. They're networking, their roots are going down into the earth and they're not just connecting themselves to the earth. They're actually connecting with other roots of other plants. And they're literally networking and grabbing different people around them and different plants around them and saying, okay, now I'm ready. Now I feel stable. Now I feel grounded. Hey, they're in the ground. I feel like I'm nourished. So I got, if I don't have enough sun, I'll get some sun from the cucumbers. Well, if I don't have enough water, I'll get some water from the papaya. This is great. And then they feel, okay, I'm ready now to grow. And you know, if you look at again, nature, one of the, my favorite plants is the papaya plant, uh, the, uh, the bamboo plant. Bamboo plant is an amazing you know, plant in general. One, it has 14 different income streams. If someone ever wants to set up a business around it, but two, when you plant bamboo, 
It takes four to five years for it to be feel grounded enough for it to come out of the ground with a small green leaf. Once it comes out of the ground, within two weeks, it will shoot up as high as your home is. And to me, that is the most amazing thing about networks. And that's why we need to nurture the right people within our network. And sometimes if someone is not right within our network, create that space so that one of our roots can grab onto someone else or someone could see, hey, Gil has some free time. Let me follow up with Gil or Gil has some interest in showing up in events. Let me invite Gil to some other events. Or instead of just going to the same networking events, let me try some, some art galleries. Let me try something else. And I think that diversity and that open-mindedness creates a flourishing future for people. Regular listeners to, to the Collective Leadership Podcast will know that the cognitive diversity, the diverse, diversity of your network is something that I'm very passionate about and I feel very strongly about. I love that plant metaphor um, to, to, to express that as well. Um, you, you've really been almost forced into the situation where you're continually surrounded by people from different backgrounds with different perspectives because you've moved a lot. And, you, you know, I mentioned it in the intro. You've talked about it a couple of times. You said you've been an immigrant since the age of 10 uh, and, and the different countries you've, you've worked in. How much do you think that those different influences on you has impacted who you are today and how important was that? And, and how much do you think, do you think what you have said um, today has both been influenced by um, and uh, also would land differently in, diff in different countries that you've lived in? So I'm really going into cultural oh, yeah. differences and how you, how you approach it there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to seem like a smart ass to everyone on the call because I don't know your backgrounds, everyone. You know, and if I said something that someone might feel disrespectful of this guy talking like it and, 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 you know, someone who thinks he knows it all, trust me, ladies and gentlemen, I, 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 I'm someone who knows how much I don't know because I've been around. I know how many mistakes I'm still going to make. And I know that I'm human and I'm full of imperfections, which is what makes life exciting. But the fact that I've moved so much has made a massive difference on my comfort levels of networking with strangers. The fact that I've moved into cultures and I've lived amongst cultures where I didn't speak the local language has made it easy for me to connect with people who don't speak my language. The fact that English is my third language. I only started learning English at the age of 13. Like my first language is Hebrew. My second language is French. English is something, it's a language that I didn't really pick up from studying it in school. I had maybe 10 hours, 20 hours of actual English lessons. I picked it up by breaking my communication skills in order to make friends. And back then I was young, I was a young teenager. It was either, hey, either you find a way to talk to them or you're not going to be invited to their house birthday party. Find a way to talk to them or you won't be able to buy those groceries that your mom asked you to buy. Like, find a way. And maybe it's, I was born with this hustler mindset. Maybe it's, some people say, oh, Gil, it's because you were born in Israel. You know, Israelis are hustlers, you know. They, they persevere. And yeah, there's a lot of truth to that because, you know, Israel has had a lot of enemies over the years and you've had to learn how to persevere, how to not give up, how to, hey, just because a few people rejected me or a few women said no to me, a few people said talk to the hand, 
doesn't mean I go home and cry. And yeah, I've had some sad moments where I had to actually go home and I didn't talk to anyone the whole night. And that's what I tell people. Successful failures in life is a beautiful part of the journey in business. And it's also a very beautiful part of the journey in networking. And what I tell people is I had to find hacks in order to get through the pain quickly. And those hacks, things like speed dating and trade shows. Speed dating, hey, if you're a single man or woman out there, go speed dating just for the fun of it, which is exactly what I did in order to learn how to talk to women. And I started my experience in England, actually, in London. When I came to London, I was 21 years old. I didn't have any friends. I had five, com- five people in the company that I was working with that were all kind of, in my eyes back then, they were weird. Like, I didn't think I could be friends with them sort of thing. It was my ego back then. I was like, okay, I got to make friends. And this is before Facebook. There is no social media. I went speed dating. And speed dating is really an amazing way to, first of all, boost your confidence because if I, if I knew I had 20 women to speak to in one evening, five minutes each, I wasn't overly worried about the first five. You know, so I'm like, yeah, if I miss it up in the first five, I'll get it right with the next 15. And I went on countless speed dating events. Again, just to learn what is it like to get it right in the first five minutes of talking to a woman. And to try to apply the exact same strategy, I did it with trade shows. I literally used to go to different trade shows and expos. And this is my life in London in the first maybe year that I lived there, where I was, number one, I had a very thick English accent, very, very thick accent when I spoke English. Number two, I, was, I came to Canada. So I didn't understand all of these dialects of English. Oh my goodness, there's so many different thick dialects of English and Scottish and Irish and all that. I didn't, and I had to really like focus and I had to go to trade shows and I used to put my phone on a timer literally for five minutes and every five minutes I would then learn how do I end the conversation with this person politely and respectfully and move on to the next person. Oh, I literally used to snooze it and say, no, no, this, like I acted like it's a phone call. No, no, this person is not important right now. Let me talk to you right now. This is interesting for me. And I basically just found ways practicing how do you talk to people how do you start and end conversation how do you show interest in this person how do you get them to be interested in you how do you learn how to follow up and after learning all of this andy and you know like yourself i've written a lot about this topic i've i've had the big honor to be on the cover of like six different magazines around the world as a networking guru and i keep on telling everyone Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not a networking guru. I'm, I, I see myself as a great networking student. I'm constantly studying the topic itself. And on my best day of networking with the best team and the best strategy, I would still rank myself maybe a 6 out of 10 as a networking expert because I have learned how much inefficiencies we have as people when it comes to building relationships out there. I think that's really a really interesting point, Gil. With the changes in technology, with a more globalized world, the way that we interact with each other has shifted so much anyway. When I came into this, it was about small local groups. Can you get referrals for each other? That's where I started out doing this. And networking was all about events. And so much of that has shifted in the last 25 years that we're all continually learning. And that, for me, is what this podcast uh, is really about. I'm constantly having conversations that grow my knowledge of of connecting and building relationships and networking as much as anyone listening to this. And I think that's really powerful. Uh, we're, we're coming up to our time. There's a lot more I want to ask you. 
Um, there is something I want to go back to because I did say there were a, a number of things from your first answer um, that I wanted to dig it deeper into. And then we've just constantly followed the, the pattern of the conversation. But there was something I noted that I did want to come back to because you talked about how you you coach some of your clients in getting their team. Yeah, I think you called them networking angels, getting their team to support them with their networking activity. And I've seen how you do that yourself as well in my interactions with your team over the years. It's not something that, that I, when I'm asked about it, I'm always uncomfortable about it. I think there are certain things that you can delegate, uh, but I think that it, it shines through when someone isn't dealing with the person they think they are. Uh, and we're talking about building one-to-one relationships here. So my question is, what tasks can you effectively delegate without causing offense? Uh, and without losing control of actually building the relationship and being able to respond in conversation? And how do you equip your team to be able to do that effectively on your behalf and know when uh, when that transition point is and where you really need to be involved? That's a really, really beautiful question because so many people ask me this and they think it's inauthentic to have people helping you to nurture a network. And I think they just maybe misunderstand the scale of network we can build and the actual abilities we have to manage. So, you know, an average person who's listening today will not follow up with 50 people every single day. They will just not. It's just not in in the average person's ability. I do. I I personally, me, me, Gil Peterson, will follow up with an average of 50 people every single day. And I predominantly use WhatsApp and Telegram. Now, because I'm who I am and because, I, you know, not only do I speak about the topic itself, but I'm also a super connector. So on an average day, I'll have requests from 30, maybe 100 different people asking me to be connected with someone. Now, some of those people I know personally, and some of those people, maybe I met them a couple of times. I know them a little bit. They, they saw me at an event. They're writing me on LinkedIn. So I have all these different inboxes my emails, my LinkedIn, my Instagram, my Facebook, um, all of those inboxes combined would have sometimes 200, sometimes 500. You know, in December, they'll have over a thousand messages a day. I don't think it's fair for anyone to think I'm going to answer them all. It's just not needed. What I've done is I've created systems within my teams that would allow people to answer authentically, not as me. Sometimes if someone says, hey, Gil, thanks a lot for your, your speech. It was really wonderful. Yes, my assistant will answer, uh, thank you very much for coming to the event. Which part did you like the most? Why don't you tell me a little bit more about yourself? And she'll answer that as me. Do I need her to say, hi, this is Grace or hi, this is Vita? Why? I don't need to do that. I, I'm happy for that person to understand it's me because anyways, in five years, it's going to be AI anyways. I'm going to be able to automate, not in five, like probably in one year, two years, I'll be able to automate a lot of my responses to people with my voice and my abilities because we want to be able to nurture a bigger network. And this is just for the people who want to do more for life. I want to impact more people. I want to do more projects. I love helping people with sponsorship. I love helping people with fundraising. I don't want to fundraise for one, two companies. I love being able to fundraise for 10, 15 companies. You can do that alone as a team. Sometimes I will ask my team to answer to say, 
Uh, thanks a lot for writing, uh, for writing us. Um, this is Vita Gill's community manager. Gill asked me to look at such messages and see if I can help you before you get in touch with Gill. So I'll, I'll ask them, we have these templates. Well, they will introduce themselves. If someone says, Gil, I want to meet up with you, blah, blah, blah. Wait, can we do it? I'll ask Grace. Grace, everybody who wants to meet with me, please, you jump in, introduce yourself, ask them why they want to meet with me, ask them what, what's on their mind, what kind of topic they have. Grace will bring that up with me. Okay, Grace, set it up. And then Grace can follow up with them three, four times, whether it's on Zoom, whether it's offline, whether we need to change it around. And there's so many back and forth that will go through. And I don't want to deal with all that back and forth. I've agreed to meet with the person, done. Now, even with things like inboxes, um, that I don't want to go into all of my inboxes, but it doesn't mean that I don't respond. What happens in many cases, I've created a system uh, for my team uh, that helps me with inboxes, that they will review all of my inboxes. And on average, I will look at maybe 5% max, maybe 10, not even. 5% of all of my inboxes, I will actually see myself. And because I'm dyslexic, Dandy, I've asked my team to give me in one sentence, what is that whole thing about? And then to give me the link, either to be able to read the email or to see that person's LinkedIn or to see that person's Instagram, to see the link for that person. And just then to also tell me whether it's a P, one, two, or three, priority one, two, or three. Priority three, just someone wants to share something with me. Gil, we think it's interesting for you, but you know, it's not a priority. Priority one, Gil, this is actually one of the kings of Bali who you speak to regularly. He needs your attention. Yeah. And what happens is I can click on it. I can quickly leave a voice message into that message. Either I will leave a voice message directly to, my, to the person, or if it's an email, I will say, Grace, do we please answer the person? And Grace will just listen to my one-minute voice message, max. One minute is 120, 130 words. And Grace will then answer the email herself or as me. I will ask her to do that. So I try to keep it as authentic as possible. I try to expedite things. I try to automate things. Just because someone else writes the email on my behalf doesn't mean that it wasn't my voice message. It took me less than a minute to dictate instead of sitting there and auto-correcting, and I write with a lot of spelling mistakes, instead of me doing it all with taking five or six minutes, I'll, I'll, I'll answer it in 30 seconds, and then she'll get it done. So I, I think that's a few tips. Uh, yeah, I have a lot more on how to do that, but those are some yeah. good ones. I, I, I think a lot, of, uh, a lot of what you're doing there is you're still involved. Where I see delegation of relationships done well, uh, sorry, done badly, is where people just delegate it to someone else, and then one person thinks they know you, you have no idea who they are. And that's where there's a real disconnect for me. So I think where you can delegate key tasks, but you still know who that person is and what the conversation is, that, that's the important factor for me there. Gil, I could dig so much more deeply into that. There's other things that I'd love to, but I do try and keep this podcast to a particular time. Thank you so much for joining me. I, th I think it's been what I expect from you, um, both really interesting, great insight, blunt and honest. Uh, and not everyone will, 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 will love what you've said, and that's absolutely fine. Um, but I appreciate you saying it so people can then take that away and decide what the right route is for them. So thank you very much for joining me on the Thanks, Andy. Had a lot podcast. of fun with you today. So thanks to Gil for, for joining me. And I, I, I think that was great. I don't follow every approach that Gil, approaches, uh, Gil does, but there's a lot that we do have uh, in common. And... 
Uh, I think it's important to be challenged. For me to be challenged as a, as a specialist in this field, for Gil to be challenged in return, uh, and for you as a listener to not just listen and feel smugly that you're doing everything right, but actually to be challenged as well to say, could you be doing it better? We started out with that theme uh, of uh, finding the time to build relationships. We got some real depth from Gil in terms of uh, how you prioritize key relationships. Are you spending time and nurturing them in the right way? Talking about doing an audit of your relationship, stuff that might make you uncomfortable. But one of the things that I always say is do the strategic work in the background so you can be relational in the foreground. So people should never feel networked by you. Uh, I think Gil used the, the, the word authentic in the way um, that you, you interact with people and that should absolutely be at the forefront, but it doesn't stop you doing your homework. And I, I think that's a really important point. Um, and and I, I really like the, the plant metaphor that, that Gil used. Um, and he, he finished that by talking about creating some space for new relationships to grow. And I think that's a really uh, a, a nice point to, to, to finish on. Creating that space so that you can allow new relationships to flourish. You can find those people that should be in your life, allow them to come into, into your life. And then you, you reap the rewards. And ultimately, when people complain to me about not having time to do the work, uh, as I touched on in one of my questions, I, I see time as an investment, not a cost, but you, need, you have to know what you're bringing those people into your life to achieve. So thank you, Gil, for joining me. Thank you for listening. Uh, and join us again soon on another episode of the Connected Leadership Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great Connected Leadership tips.